welcome to another episode of Mirepoix Taste Buds. We are your buds, Emily and Melissa. And this is a podcast about food, our daily lives, and how they intersect. Today, we are talking about fly in the friendly skies and <laughs> going down on some delicious foods. Up a, up are a they, are no, they delicious? Not anymore <laughs> or not. But once upon a time, they were. <laughs> Let's go back to the glory days. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's get cooking. So tonight over here, I am drinking a little maple bourbon cocktail that was prepared for me, and I'm enjoying it because it's been a long weekend, and I just don't want to stop drinking. So here we are. That sounds fantastical. I saw the like drink yeah. menu that you posted, and they looked like there was mm. a lot of good like whiskey drinks on that cocktail. There were menu. there were some great cocktails this weekend, and it was really cool because one of my friends was the bartender, and she like actually designed some of the cocktails. So it was kind of cool to have like a a Dope. friend be the, the maker. Yeah. yeah, mixologist for you. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm sipping on some like gin concoction that I've put together with that mm. wonderful butterfly pea flower gin that we have. Yeah, uh, Empress so, got my purple drink over here. Wonderful, <laughs> cannot go wrong. <laughs> All right, down to business. Let's get into it. So I was blown away when I was researching this topic because I just don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> airplanes in general <laughs> and they boggle my mind because literally it was just 1903 that the Wright brothers were having their first powered flight and that flight lasted 12 seconds and they only traveled 180 feet and Insane. now we're pretty much like 100 years later and just think of how far we've come like we're literally going across the globe there's 500 people up in a plane nowadays yeah like, that's Haunting. wild <laughs> but the first commercial flight was actually in 1914, which again weirded me the fuck out because it's like literally 10 years after a 12 second flight, we're ready to just throw more people into the sky and whisk people's lives. <laughs> I feel like 10 years seems long, though. It's like, wow, you didn't get it together. Ten years in is ten years. so quick. No. That is so <laughs> quick for a, a plane. Absolutely not. You're jeopardizing lives here. I need like a 50 year study before I'm getting up in that thing. OK, I guess that's true. I am disappointed, though. Like, I'm like, you should do it faster. Where's my hover cars? <laughs> That's accurate. That is real. I'm still waiting for those. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, the first commercial flight was from St. Petersburg, Florida, and landed in Tampa, Florida, which was only 17 miles away, which is just so close. It's so funny. And that took 23 minutes back then. Wild. is wild. <laughs> and then the first ever airplane meal was actually served in 1919, so not that long after the first commercial flight. And that was on a flight by Handley Page, which I've never even heard of that as an airline before <laughs> in my life, but okay. Doesn't and that like was one. from London to Paris. Oh, okay. All right. So planes during this time usually held fewer than 20 passengers and reached a cruising altitude of 3,000 feet or less. And they were actually slower than traveling by train, which I also like Hilarious. never really thought about that. Didn't think about that at all. An issue or <laughs> a reason why you'd be like, no, I'll go by train instead. Like, it's ridiculous. 
So during this time, planes were flying at speeds at around 100 miles per hour and had to stop to refuel often. So and they could only travel by day as well. So there's just a lot of limitations as to what they could really accomplish. It's like, <laughs> why are we traveling by air at all? This is pointless. <laughs> well, they can only travel by day. Like that's also. I hilarious. mean, night sounds dangerous. Do they even have lights on the plane? I don't know. <laughs> probably not. I don't think so. No, they probably didn't. And I mean, that sounds terrifying quite frankly. Like literally in the 20s, it was such an uncomfortable experience because it was super loud. It was really, really cold. Planes were basically just like uninsulated sheets of metal that shook really loud in the wind and the cabins were completely unpressurized. Like, can you imagine (laughs) that experience? That sounds freaking terrible. Why would anyone do that? Like your, your poor ears and just everything would be so loud and wild <laughs> honestly i'm wondering like who really was on some of those first flights because those sound terrifying <laughs> yeah y'all are crazy and like also mm-hmm. must have been very rich because who was flying i mean i guess if it was slower than a train though back then it probably didn't cost that much as much <laughs> i mean still expensive but not worth it good lord yeah not worth it <laughs> so in the beginning when they first started serving food you were really only getting cold food up until like 19 i think 38 or 36 or something and united was the first to like start serving warm stuff but you typically were getting things like cold fried chicken fruit salads cold fried chicken i just <laughs> let's pause why cold fried chicken is fine it's fine. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. That's like people used to like the put vegetarian. that. That's true. But it's, I mean, it's not going to be as crispy as it once was, but otherwise delicious. I mean, I'd be, I'd, I have I'd be happy. down on some cold fried chicken. You're not see? wrong. See? <laughs> I feel like you used to see like workmen pulling that out of their like little lunch pail, you know, too, from their wife, like sitting there and just eating it cold. It's like, that's not that weird. And like, honestly, better than the food they serve us now. I would take cold fried chicken over half the things that they are trying to push these days. So that's accurate. See, yeah, it's probably mm-hmm. better than the warm, like fried chicken, whatever they tried to give they you try. now. Ugh, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and they also did lovely sandwiches. You know, a, this article said elegantly composed, which I was like, wow, for a sandwich, those terms already are a stretch in Say my mind. <laughs> yeah. And they were served in wicker baskets or on the lightest chinaware servers could find. Wow, so, bougie. I, know, I, I like, like the, the wicker basket me touch. Me too. Like I'm on too. a picnic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it reminds me of those paper plate holders that <laughs> some people used to have or like the paper plate like fits into and it was like nice like wicker one. Oh my God. <laughs> do why do those still exist? Why do Noah's have We had that all the time. Yeah. I feel like every house had that back in the 90s. Yeah. And I've seen plastic ones like later on, but like as a kid, I feel like our yeah. grandma or someone had those. I don't know. Kokomo. I feel yeah, like Kokomo, Kokomo, we always had those. So your plate didn't blow away. Yeah. We weighted it down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as flight technology advanced, though, on came new ideas and new things like onboard kitchens in the 30s. And then the food offerings, of course, became a little bit more elaborate and weren't just mere sustenance. So they were a little bit more thought through. Flight attendants were finally added in the 30s also. So someone to serve you all those delicious things, which it's crazy because the first African-American flight attendant was Ruth Carol Taylor. And she actually didn't take to the skies until 1958. So pretty wild to also think about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Late to the game. <laughs> Happy International Women's Month. Yes, that's right. <sighs> but yeah, I mean, in the 30s, things were changing because planes were now soundproofed, they were heated, and wow. seats were finally upholstered. What were they How before? Like a wooden exciting. slat? Literally like a metal, just, yeah, just <laughs> nothing good, nothing extra, comfortable. They weren't interested cold. in comfort. No. They were just trying to get people to the location alive. Okay. That I was guess. the goal. But damn, I mean, it's already a cold tin box. Yeah. I mean, you could have at least not made a metal one. 
you know, metal Accurate. seat in a metal box. That sounds terrible. <laughs> also very true. <laughs> yeah. The planes also could start to fly a lot higher now. They were reaching altitudes closer to like 20,000 feet. And that greatly reduced turbulence and also made travel by air a lot faster. The first pressurized commercial transport aircraft was also introduced in 1938. And cabins became a lot roomier. Seating was a lot more creative. They had like couches, reclining chairs, (laughs) swiveling seats, which I think is crazy to imagine. I think that's like so cool. I was looking at some old photos from like mm-hmm. the 30s and 20s of planes and it was so wild to look at like they're just vastly different than what we experience today. Yeah. It's actually really interesting because planes now obviously have airlines have been um trying to jam as many seats as possible into a plane. And so the average seat size has changed from 34 inches to 31 inches and it's interesting because all planes are pretty much like built the same. They're all manufactured and they have like specific specifications about what can be, you know, on the plane. The window has to be a certain size and a certain shape to make sure that it doesn't like fracture and whatever, and <laughs> that it's like aerodynamic. But because the seat size keeps getting smaller and smaller, now those windows are no longer like in the right place yeah because i've noticed that moved up yeah, yeah. you noticed that i've yeah. totally noticed that on the last flight i was on and i was like why is this like this and that's why because airlines are able to choose how any of the interior pieces of the plane are positioned but they can't change like the outside of the plane so they keep manufacturing the outside and then the airlines just change oh i'm gonna add more seats add more seats and now the window is no longer <laughs> where it needs to be that's actually really <laughs> annoying and frustrating because i was definitely like in between <laughs> two like ones last time so i didn't have control necessarily i was like which window is mine like i don't exactly. know <laughs> and you like feel weird about it and you can't like touch it because it's not really your window but it's not oh, really I the other person's i definitely <laughs> touched it i was like i'm claiming this, this is mine i'm closing it <laughs> Respect. (laughs) (laughs) But there's also some culinary historians that would say that sometimes planes would stop off for lunch in places because back then they still had to kind of refuel often. And customers would like hang out in the airline hangar and have like picnics and be at picnic tables while the plane refueled. (laughs) I think it's so funny. That's so wild. Such a security thing now that they would like never fly, I feel (laughs) like. Absolutely not. Having lunch in the hangar. Amazing. Mm -mm. So it wasn't until the 1940s when these frozen meals began kind of making their way into the geometric trays that we're kind of more familiar with today. So the ability to freeze food and serve it hours later eventually led to more menu choices, which is great. Um, And it also kind of paired with the lower flight costs, shifted it kind of even more focused onto the ways the foods were being prepared and served on board. There was a variety of methods to save time when serving began to take hold, including the discarding of glassware for plastic, cutting off the need for the crew to wash the dishes, and then air I travel. Get it, was, but I hate it. No, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, of course, more plastic. We didn't have a plan for how that was going to be dealt with, though, did we? No, sure didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> and it was also starting to become like way more popular after the war because people of color started flying, and then also there's a lot of other business owners and like things as the economy expanded during the war and they started repurposing bases and runways from the war into airports for commercial flights so it's just kind of this boom happening where there's just more people flying more people in the skies and all these other places that are just switching over to being used for commercial flying yeah i never thought of how the war like affected 
commercial flights, you know, because I, oh I know God. that it was such a big part of World War II was all mm-hmm. of the planes in the uh, in the skies. But yeah, I just never really gave it a second thought as to like the economy was changing and people of yeah. color were owning more businesses and having more, you know, financial stability to be yeah. able to do stuff. So total major turning point in like the country and our history in general. Absolutely. It affects like every industry. Imagine. Mm-hmm. And then the 1950s comes, and it is now the golden age of air travel. This is the time that if I could go back in time and not mm-hmm. be a woman of color. <laughs> yeah, wait. <laughs> <laughs> or just not be in this colonialist bullshit if it's like an ultimate yes. reality. Yeah. Ultimate reality, but I get to experience <laughs> flight in the 50s. That mm-hmm. would be what I would want to experience because flying was a luxury at this time, people. Okay. There was... Um, Literally a round trip flight from Chicago to Phoenix at that time would cost today's equivalent of $1,168, which is crazy. Astronomical. Bougie. Bougie. Passengers were getting what they paid for, though, because flying was really, really glamorous. So people were dressing up. The booze was flowing. Everyone was, you know, we had fancy glassware and meals were like full restaurant quality, five course Mm -hmm. meals, literally like we're talking roast beef, lobster, prime rib. Mm-hmm. They would have past appetizers, maybe yes. buffets, seven course dinners. Oh my there God. might even be a roast beef or a ham that's carved seat side for you. Like, yeah, so that's an experience. All right. <laughs> At every level, like we are giving you an experience. It's not just a meal. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty nuts to also think about them carving up things with like a giant knife. They're carving like that's absurd. You would never do that now. <laughs> That's insanity. I just can't even imagine. Yeah, the security Uh, alone. You'd never get a knife like that past. (laughs) No, we don't need more of those on play. (laughs) We're not sane enough to handle that now, which is even more ridiculous. I love the idea, too, Mm -hmm. that there was literally courses. I read something, too, that was saying, like, that was the entertainment on the flight was the meal and the drinks and, like, the pomp and, like, all this, like, yeah, bouge. Circumstances, 100%. Mm-hmm. Very into it. But also keep in mind that literally in the 1960s, people are still flying with no ID and there's no security. <laughs> like there's this is like that is that is wild. It's wild. You could just travel the world with nothing. Mm-hmm. It didn't yeah. matter. You got a ticket. <laughs> Great. You're on the flight. Yeah, you've made it. You're clearly somebody. <laughs> oh my God. Amazing. In the 70s, uh, so- Southern Airways billed itself as re- the root of the Aristocats, which is a great way to bill yourself. Yeah. And <laughs> it was policy for them to offer first-class touches to every single passenger, which mm. included free-flowing booze, which I'm here for that. In coach? Right. In coach? Yeah, in coach. Ooh. Let's bring that back. Everybody Ooh. gets free booze mm. as much as you want. You're crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> They even had like little collectible shot glasses that would have a new design every year, which I just think is super cute. It's like the Frontier playing cards, but better. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then American Airlines even had a, a piano lounge in one of their oh. 747s. So you could just listen to some lovely piano music in the background. That sounds so fun. fun. Yeah. Like, again, giving like an experience, I think, is like such a cool concept because we're so far removed from that nowadays. Yeah. It's like we're purely here for function. Everybody flies. It's mundane. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I miss the days when it was like a big to do. Mm-hmm. And then Pan Am 707 Clipper 
also was advertised as being vibration free, which I highly doubt it was, but <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Uh, <laughs> I also just think it's a funny thing to claim. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was so that they could afford to have fresh flower arrangements on the tray tables without them like spilling onto your lap with turbulence. And I just think that's so cute. That is. That's really <laughs> joyous. I would love to bring the back the fresh flowers at least. Can we <laughs> at least do that? I'll take the shitty tiny seat, but please give me some flowers <laughs> oh can't compromise God. that space girl come on you crazy no, but they should have like a little clip on one to like the back of the seat though that's just yeah like something in between them or something <laughs> we're gonna find a way to make it work <laughs> yeah they should hire us we'll redesign your plane and make it amazing real <laughs> So in the 1980s now, Continental Airlines, which is now United, they tested out a pub configuration, which was complete with like a well-stocked bar with alcohol, circular tables, and like swivel chairs. So cute. Uh, yeah, very cute also. Very friendly. If you're flying with friends, that sounds like so much fun. And yeah. of course, you could also still smoke on flights. And honestly, they were offering cigarettes, like varieties to passengers. So it's like, oh, I would, would you like one? What, what kind would you like? <laughs> I cannot believe that, that was people loud. smoked on planes. Like, yeah. I can't imagine that enclosed yeah. space and we're just puffing on cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, I don't – with, like, babies, like, and children, just, like, you know. Everybody. Yeah, everybody. You're, you Everyone's all get there. cancer. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, could fly the skies. <laughs> pretty nuts. <laughs> In the 1990s, Air travel was kind of for people of all ages. Economy class was becoming a big thing. Um, everyone was indulging on the free liquor of like international flights. And then in-flight meals were maybe not the tastiest at this time, but they were also free. And seats would be outfitted with those phones that we're used to seeing and the in-flight entertainment in the very, very early stages, obviously. We're getting we're getting current up until the nineties now. Yeah, I mean now we have newer, even sometimes more like lavish kind of meals again that are kind of thought up by celebrity chefs in partnership with these airlines. But of I course, never really knew that they were doing that, which I think is mm -hmm. pretty cool. You know? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's still like, do you want to pay an arm and a leg though? Maybe no. not. I don't know if it's worth <laughs> worth <Yeah>. the money. <laughs> no, it's like if I'm gonna eat a celebrity chef, I'd rather like go to a nice restaurant to experience that. Yeah, and not be crammed in a tiny seat and barely be able to like move my arms. Yeah, but, and it's just <laughs> never gonna be like that good. Let's be real. <laughs> I love the no. only think that that's like somehow a selling point, but it's it's for me it's not. <laughs> but <laughs> but there is a greater focus on health globally and how much more people are traveling, and obviously there's. The, the advent of the internet now so i mean you can even like plan your meals ahead of the flight and and order them ahead of time which is kind of wild to think about mm. but and now the people that review like their onboard services and experiences and things like that there's kind of more of a trend that they care about where they're starting to listen to more of their customers and, and want to provide better things and airlines are always competing with each other so like if one does it yeah. they're like oh now i have to offer that what can i do to sweeten the deal so Airlines. The fear of a bad review, man, is a powerful thing. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really is. It's so true. So airlines in the 1970s actually began to unbundle their services. So as air travel was deregulated, it kind of changed how everything was happening. And you started being charged for every little piecemeal thing as they kind of unwrapped all these things and, and realized that they could be charging an upcharge for everything under the sun. So... Mm. 
and they obviously wanted to keep their ticket prices competitive, so they're looking at what everyone else is doing and following suit. So, but it's all a lie. That's the worst part. Is like I think I that I'm getting such a great deal, and then they nickel and dime you every yep. single way. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, this was the mm-hmm. same price as it would have been if I just went with this other airline. But okay. yeah, which should not be allowed <laughs> to do that. It's literally a, it's criminal. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like literally Spirit Airlines, we every time mm. we'll say that we're not going to fly oh. it again. And then we find a cheap, cheap flight and we're like, one last yeah. time. And then yeah. we regret it immediately because it's trash. Yeah. <laughs> it's for trash people. And mm. they just want you to feel shitty and get to where you got to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, it always ends Terrible. up being just as expensive, which is this is the stupid part. After yeah. The bag like literally. Fees, and then everything else. Yeah. It's wild. But there actually only are like a dozen well-known companies that are really dedicated to catering services for airlines, which is also pretty wild to think about that like most of them are all doing like the same thing. (laughs) Um, And they all kind of work out of like warehouse-like facilities where they're super organized to produce food as like fast as they can and specifically for airlines. So there's actually one that's LSG Sky Chefs, which they do JetBlue, American, like Delta, among other like airlines typically. So that's a super common one, which is kind of I've definitely seen them before. But there's also like I think there's some sort of like gourmet one that also is like super common. Yeah, totally. It's super cool because in drafting a menu, chefs are like hyper aware of the effect that the altitude and air pressure will have on a flyer's taste buds. The air pressure in cabins can climb from like 6,000 to 8,000 feet above sea level. Um, and that makes preparation of fresh meals on board really, really hard and also kind of mutates the flavor of prepackaged food that's being served to you. Yeah, I read something that says your taste buds kind of, and, and your sense of smell go partially numb given the altitude. So you indirectly have to like think about this and then kick up the flavor or kind of like add more of things. So obviously like you'll most food things will come with a packet of like salt and pepper too. So people can add more to their food. So peppering each meal with extra salts and sauces sometimes sometimes kind of like is a common practice, I'd say. And then since your taste buds aren't like the same in the air, I read something that said that for fresh herbs, you need more than almost like double the ingredients to reach the same flavor profile that you would on the ground. And like dry yeah. herbs sometimes come off with like a hay kind of flavor up there. And there's like not much coming mm. off of those, which is I did not know that they your ta- that your taste buds even changed. I had yeah, no idea. I, I never <laughs> knew that. Never thought about it. No, I. I don't know. I guess I didn't think that our taste buds could change based on like height yeah (laughs) like that seems kind of crazy to me but Mm -hmm. I suppose it makes sense in a weird way I mean I knew that cooking things was different in different altitudes I just never thought that consuming (laughs) it would also have the same effect yeah it's wild (laughs) um but yeah I think that's pretty crazy and I think it's kind of interesting to wonder how much like salt or or pepper or something they might be Uh putting into your food like how much sodium am I consuming yeah. right now exactly <laughs> this is probably not good for me at all <laughs> nope <laughs> since so the airline deregulation act of 1978 airlines have been doing whatever they can to cut those costs and stay competitive as we've mentioned free food was an easy perk to get the boot today you won't find a lot of food on most domestic flights anymore and if you do you're probably paying for it which is tragic Mm -hmm. usually you still get one included if it's like over a certain number of hours i think for like international flights so that's a perk but 
Thank God. No more for domestic tragic. Sincerely. But airlines usually set like a specific cost per meal and the caterer will have to try to manufacture in a meal in line with that cost. It is pretty crazy because they do partner with all these chefs and it's become so popular and across like different couriers even to like set up better quality offerings and kind of still try to remain within that budget. So I know there's been celebrity chefs that have consulted on like numerous airlines, like menus and things like that. And I definitely think in the ones from Alaska, I remember seeing some like celebrity chef offerings when I was flying that like a few years ago, even where I was like noticing, I was like, Oh, like, this is sponsored by the chef that happens to have like a million restaurants in Seattle. Weird. <laughs> I was like, I didn't really notice it before uh, probably like the last few years, but I, I mean, I don't fly that frequently. So yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meal components can be brought in frozen and assembled up to 24 hours before a flight. And so once you get that like original storage time from vendors, some of the food could already be like two to three days old before you consume it. In order for the the carts to comply with food safety standards, they have to sit in a refrigerated area for two to three hours to get down to the required temperature, which is kind of intensive, you know? Just thinking about how old something is, though, I hate not knowing how old like a food item is. So like already. Yeah. Or where it comes from in general. Yeah. It's like. Who knows what is going into those products and how long it's been. I mean, I'm, I, you would hope that there's strict regulations on something like this, and I'm sure mm-hmm. to some degree there is, but uh, yeah. it is the U.S., and we like to, you know, the FDA ain't the best. No, <laughs> they do whatever they damn well please. <laughs> it's funny because, of course, all the processes differ slightly across all the airlines and, and things like that, too, so there's not really a consistent way of knowing either. Because even JetBlue, they say that nothing is frozen and that their philosophy is everything needs to be made with fresh ingredients. And I'm like, I don't. That's virtually impossible. I, I don't, don't understand how you. that would even. Yeah. No. Like that's sounds like a lie. It sounds like a lie. <laughs> when I read it, I was like, okay. I almost hope that it is frozen because I feel like that would give me a fresher food than then, whatever you're selling me. Yeah. Sincerely. <laughs> We're on to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never even like flown JetBlue also. I no, feel like they either. never have flights anywhere. Like where are you flying? <laughs> Such yeah, a lie. popular in the Midwest. <laughs> no. <laughs> Frozen meals in general have kind of an uneasy history in the airline industry. In 1968, food was really good, mainly due to the fact that airlines had their own kitchens. But, um, you know, that obviously quickly changed as caterers mm. and all these outside vendors started to come into play. So it's crazy to think even I read an article that said there was the best locks on flights from like New York that came from like local delis that women would literally stash it in their handbags. So I I would. I would too. I, I want to go back to the days where it's so good that I want to take it home with me. Like that, no one's like, <laughs> you don't take home. the stroop waffles with you. Come on, don't lie. I still take the stroop waffle. Oh, <laughs> it's always the Biscoff cookie. And if I didn't eat it, like I will leave it in the pocket. I will just leave it in the pocket. I'm yeah, like, the Biscoff ain't worth it. The pretzels I'll maybe take. Exactly. The pretzels I might take because I'm like, I might need these later in an emergency situation. <laughs> but they usually end up like crumbled at the bottom of my bag and oh, never yes. eaten. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and I throw them away later like a fool. <laughs> yes. So sad. 
I know. It is quite sad. I would love some <laughs> fresh locks from a local New York deli, though. I know. Like, I was like, this, a great that thought. bagel. Oh, yeah. that sounds dope. I do love, like, one of the things that Alaska does do now is that they kind of try to do this, like, best of the West Coast kind of vibe with their, like, Ooh. food options. So, like, the wine will all be from, like, either California or Oregon or Washington, kind of do, like, a PNW vibe. Or the breweries are, like, Kona or, like, Hawaii or kind of things, like, all from out there. And then they do carry some of, like, my favorite cheeses from, like, Beecher's or Tillamook. So it's like, okay, I like this, like, local flair vibe we're going with because I can I can get behind that. I can support that. Yeah. That is a really cool touch, I would say, for sure. Yeah, and it makes sense to kind of give people a taste of where they just were or where they're going kind of a thing. It's kind of a fun mm-hmm. little way to kind of finish off your trip or start your trip, in my opinion. So, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that people do suggest that you do is to request a special meal based on dietary restrictions because supposedly these are usually ordered closer to takeoff and that makes them usually fresher. Who's That's- bougie enough to be requesting special meals on their <laughs> I flight? Don't, like, come I on do not now. know. Plus, I was like, when do you request that? I was like, you uh, yeah. when you book your How? flight? You like go on the website? Who do I talk to? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I read that too. I was just like, Okay, I guess I'll look into that in the future. Sure. <laughs> sure. I'm a pescatarian. I'd really love for your yeah. chef to prepare something special for me. <laughs> if you can bring that locks on board, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking back into the golden era of the 90s where they had Happy Meals on board, which I don't know if you remember this, but that was a thing. Do you remember that? I, on board? Yeah, no. yes. So how would you have a happy meal on board? They partnered originally with United and at first it was only on flights from Disney World in Orlando or to Disney World in Orlando, Florida. And that was Sure, get the kids, all the kids will be like obese I know. <laughs> this is most the most American thing ever. This to is do. the 90s we're not worried about that. Okay, this is 91 no child left behind. That's right. <laughs> So in 91, they started experimenting with serving a variation of their Happy Meals. So they did not do the fries because obviously we all know that those are not good mm. reheated. They're trash. It's Mm-mm. bad. So That needs to be fresh out the fryer. You do. It's exactly right. And so some cases there weren't actually burgers if they weren't available. But I, f- I feel like the ones that I remember, I feel like I had a burger. But supposedly mm. they'd get like macaroni and cheese or some other like fun kid food to like throw in there. But that was actually... Originally offered on those ones to Disney World, but then in 93, they started doing it nationwide, and that actually lasted until like 2001, which I did not remember going that late, but I don't, I didn't fly that much as a kid, let's be real. But yeah, you used to be able to get no. a McDonald's Happy Meal in flight. That's freaking dope. Yeah, it bring was dope. Back. I was like, I would I- love a Happy Meal. <laughs> Straight up. Uh. <laughs> I wonder why they ended that partnership. That sounds like a dream. I, I know. know. And that's like a pretty big like. It's hard to sit, like sustain. Yeah. That. I feel like everyone would want that. And it's just like more trouble than it's worth. Yeah. And like any people complaining about the quality or something or that they couldn't get a hamburger or they don't have fries. Like there would just be too many complaints. Exactly. They probably were just Hold like, nah. It smells like burgers. You got people complaining about that. <laughs> yeah. They would have people complaining about that today. <laughs> so real. It's crazy now because so many flights have stopped selling in-flight meals and alcohol during the pandemic. Uh, A lot of it, honestly, was to cut down the cabin and like the cabin crew time with passengers because passengers are straight insane now and just assaulting people. 
Yeah, left and, and I don't right. blame them. Yeah. Like, why? That's It's so unnecessary. I don't know what has gotten into people and why a mask is enough for someone to, like, throw a temper tantrum. Literally. But- this is like the straw that broke <laughs> camel's back, though. People were, like, already getting escalated and crazy, like, right before That's true. This. If y'all didn't make the seats so damn close. Yeah, <laughs> also <would> true. <laughs> and to, like, deny us water, basically. Like, Jesus. Yeah. You have to I mean, pay they're for doing everything. the most. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's a nickel and dime. And now with the pandemic, they're pretty much serving you like little things in like a, a plastic baggie it's like here's your your yeah. ration you know here's, your like, ration. here's a, a, a bag of pretzels and a hand sanitizer wipe and don't ask me for anything else I mean I honestly <laughs> kind of liked it when they would hand it to you in the beginning when you got on the flight during COVID because it was just like great now I don't have to deal with you I have a little bottle of water I have some sanitizer yeah. to wipe down my area and I have my pretzels I'm done you know totally it was nice yeah, I think it's nice. interesting, though, to see this huge shift in, like, the use of flight attendants, you know, before, like, that was the experience. That yeah. was flight. You know, like, I think of, uh, you know, Mad Men and, like, Pan Am yes. and, oh you know, God. all those, like, flight attendant images that come to mind and like that was flying for so long and now it's like we're trying to have as little interaction with those people as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it definitely changes the experience, I think. Yeah, I definitely think so, too. It's but, definitely a lot more I mean, it's probably good that they're trying to reduce the amount of alcohol that people are consuming on flights. <laughs> I know that we have imbibed a lot <laughs> on a yeah. lot of flights that we've been on. <laughs> we've been pretty <laughs> twisted by the time we've got to our location. Hey, and only going to Vegas were we that turned. But that's yeah. true. But that's yeah. true. <laughs> sure. We'll say it was the one. Okay. <laughs> but fun fact it can cost you up to eleven thousand dollars if you bring your own alcohol onto a flight and isn't aren't served that by a flight attendant god damn honestly i wish i knew that sooner just like for peace of mind not that i've done it but um well bless the fucking hearts for just turning a blind eye because jesus eleven thousand dollars who can afford that Who's got that coin? Like, come yeah. on now. Also, that is a ridiculous fine for, for some small-ass airport bottle, like, tiny things you yes. brought on a plane. <laughs> it's like, maybe a shot's worth. Yes. Like, Unless you assaulted someone after you drank that, like, you should just let it go. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's why they, like, flight attendants probably to, do turn a blind eye to something like yeah. that. Like, unless you're causing trouble, like, who really cares? But... Behave. <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone also deals with the insane prices at airports, which... I mean, that is no surprise. When you go there, you spend money like basically by the minute, which literally Mm. you spend an average of $7 for every hour you spend in a terminal. But on the other side of that, it actually decreases 30% for every 10 minutes that you stand in a screening line. So to increase that like dwell time that you're stuck at the airport trapped in a freaking (laughs) terminal, they literally encourage you to arrive extremely early and then they invest in expediting the security process. So it is a rig. It is a rigged It is literally a rigged game. Like you cannot win. (laughs) I was I used to always try to get there like as close to possible. But now I know that that can make you have to run or miss your flight. So I try to get there early, but I also know it's a trap. It's yeah, a trap. It's a trap. It's for sure a trap. <laughs> it angers me. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bogus, you yes. know. I mean, I get it because like technically there are limits on what airport prices can be. Vendors technically oh, should not be charging more than 10 to 15% more wow. than street prices. 
But a street price is like a really subjective term. I was just going like, to say, what is a be... street price? <laughs> exactly, right? It's like whatever you could find in the real world, not on a plane, whatever. But like that could mean the most expensive water bottle that you get at like the most touristy place yeah, in America. Exactly. You know, so it could still be Oof. a $4 water bottle that we're now marking up even more, you know. Um, yeah. But there are valid reasons why a little bit uh, it is so expensive in an airport. The main reason being that those vendors, all those restaurants have pretty high rent from an airport because Whoa. the food in an airport accounts for 60% of an airport's revenue. Whoa. The rest is made off of like parking and hotels and stuff like that. But those airports have to take like a percentage of the total sales of those vendors and also like charge them really steep rent. And there's also pretty high construction costs to make huh. those, you know, things inside of an airport. It's kind of hard, obviously, to work around all of this busy, yeah. chaotic place that's never really down. You know, like a, a bit, an airport is always happening. Yeah. Um, okay. And then there's also really steep security and handling and like logistical costs, which I never really <sighs> thought about. But like everything that is in a restaurant has to go through security still. There's still like checking all of that stuff out to make sure that okay. it's not a bomb. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I understand a little bit more now why. So I feel yeah. a little bit less robbed, but I still feel robbed. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and then the last reason is there's also pretty costly labor. There's unfortunately high turnover at a lot mm -hmm. of those vendors. And like yeah. all of the people that work at the airports also have to go through security and it's hard for them to get into work because it's an airport and it's like in this isolated environment Ugh. and they're paying for parking and all those other things. So like, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> I never understood people that worked at like the Starbucks in an airport, you know? Yeah, like, no, me either. I you to choose even this location. Even if they offer you better pay because of that, you still are being you still have to waste more of your time getting to work, into work, whatever. And you have to pay higher yeah. like yeah, like parking costs and things like that. Like it doesn't even seem worth it. I don't to know if it yeah, if it outweighs it. Yeah. the costs, you know. I don't like, think it does. You might be making more than an average, <laughs> you know, salary in, in a traditional space, but yeah, I think there's so many other downsides to a position like that that it would definitely deter me. But Yeah. I would reason, hate working in an airport. It's out there. Uh, Oof, airports stress yeah. me out. I do not do well in airports. <laughs> that environment. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's just something so stressful about getting to your gate. And then once I get yeah. to my gate, I'll probably then be fine. Okay. Yeah, I'm totally fine. Yeah. Like The 10% of like the stress remains. But the, every moment up to that, I'm like about to die until I get to the gate. It's anxiety inducing for sure. There's yeah. just like so much that can go wrong at a lot of points, I think, that yeah. it makes it a scary experience. <laughs> it definitely does. It definitely does. What is your best airplane meal? Do you know? I was trying to think of this and I don't have like a, a real <laughs> recollection of it, quite frankly. I feel like <laughs> there's never been one that's like truly wowed me, you know? Um, I have been on a couple long flights. Like I flew to South Africa once and I also flew to like Bolivia. I think on both those flights I had, uh, meals on those. Um, mm -hmm. and I think that I feel like South Africa I had on one way it was like a pasta dish cause I chose the vegetarian option. <laughs> I found that the vegetarian option is usually the better of yeah. the meals. I don't really like 
whatever meat they're serving. I feel like it's always kind of weird. It's never quite hot enough. I don't know. Something about it kind of just weirds me out in general. I think it's the frozen nature of it. And like, you know, these aren't like great ovens and kitchens that they're working out of. And like a cut of the quality of meat that I just can't, it can't be good. Yeah. That they're serving is probably not high quality. So yeah, Yeah. I I personally choose vegetarian if I can, but I, I had a pasta dish. I think that was pretty good. And I think another time I had some sort of like chicken curry type thing. I don't really remember or know, but I don't remember (laughs) it being terrible. But again, it was the meat that like weirded me out with it. Yeah. I have to look back at my pictures. I remember when I flew to India on Air India, that flight had good food. Like I remember being like, oh, that was pretty bomb. Like I can't remember what I had exactly, but there was also like a bunch of tea that they served that was really good. And I had some sort of kind of like curry rice thing, I think. Uh, that was good. So I'll have to dig back and see if I can find it. But if you haven't listened to the episode where we interviewed our mother, her best meal that she could remember was literally on an airplane and it was like lobster or something. And it just sounded so decadent that we literally were like, we have to do an episode about this because this is not the way the world is anymore. <laughs> Legit. But I could I could totally see how that could be an amazing experience. Oh, yeah. Like one of maybe your first times kind of flying too and you have literally like tablecloths real silverware, real china, a a lobster tail before you. (laughs) Like, how could that not be an incredible experience to, like, make your list? Yeah. I totally wish, yeah, I could have experienced a first-class meal in, like, the 50s or 60s. I just can't even imagine how stunning and, like, over-the-top it would have been. (laughs) Yes. So good. What is cool now about something they are starting to do as, like, sustainability becomes a bigger issue and our food sources are stressed to the brink. Um, One of the things places have started to do is to use greenhouses to produce like all their produce and their veggies and things like that. So it's kind of cutting back on those different steps and different vendors where they would be getting things trucked in from like much further. It's like one giant greenhouse that's like growing all of their stuff, which is pretty neat. I have to saw a couple articles about that. I was like, that's that's pretty rad. So that's very cool. Yeah. The glory days may be gone, but at least we can still fly the friendly skies and, and get get some good food at least. Hopefully. <laughs> Decent. Yeah. Food. Let's just hope they bring back the food and the drinks oh my after God. the pandemic. And <laughs> I know. We'll be good. I, <laughs> we need it. Yeah, we need it. Please feed us. Yeah. <laughs> I meant to look up like when they stopped serving peanuts on planes too because I thought that that would be interesting. Yeah, and those allergies, man. Yeah, it really blows my mind that <laughs> we did serve them at some point because so many people have that allergy nowadays. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. <laughs> it's just like a vector waiting to <laughs> attack. Supposedly they stopped serving peanuts on airplanes in 2018, which seems really recent. 2018 that is very recent is that right my god we were still killing people (laughs) yeah jesus (laughs) oh my god that's shocking i think that might be like a year before the pandemic that's ridiculous (laughs) yeah that does seem insane wait this is 2013 i haven't had them okay yeah i feel like i haven't had them in at least like eight yeah years on a plane yeah yeah Yeah, it's looking like 2013 but i I i'll have to look into that more too because that is wild (laughs) What a dangerous mm. thing to say. What a dangerous thing. <laughs> Playing with but I mean, I, feel like a ri- I mean, I guess a rescue run. That's just a rescue run. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> no, I was just going to say, like, 
I mean, that's the risk that you could run serving food in general. On oh, yeah. Flight, that's true. Is having allergens, you know. For, oh, yeah. For I'm surprised that actually person. wasn't a bigger issue, as you just said, because we really did not start paying attention to that until recently. <laughs> right. But I feel yeah. like peanuts are the one thing that have a higher, you know, like rate of being an allergen and and yeah. having like an adverse effect of like you can be in a vicinity of a peanut and have a reaction kind yeah. of a thing mm. that's not like typical of most foods so no that is very true yeah check out that's our allergy right. episode if you want to know more about allergens there you go yeah <laughs> <laughs> well what are we gonna cheers to friend you got a glass to cheers with? i do got a glass I know. Now that we're far apart, I gotta have that. It makes it harder. I got I a know. mug in a glass. I guess that'll work. Yeah, that'll work. I was like, I only have one glass. That's all I have. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Let's cheer to travel, baby. I want to get back out there. Get me back in them skies. Yes, I am a little freaked out that it's only been like a hundred years of us in the skies, and here we are. But I guess you're right. Like progress yeah. is progress. I'm ready for a hover car. I'm ready for, yes. you know, anything else. Those high-speed trains are coming, too. I think yeah. that's also, like, the interesting thing about the future is, like, is air travel even going to be, like, the best method anymore? We're getting to yeah. a point where there's these other transportation methods that are coming up fast, so. That's very real. I was just on an Amtrak train recently and went to the drink food car to, like, get some, some snacks, and what they had were some pretty gross-looking tacos. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> we'll so do I, another episode on train food. <laughs> yeah, I literally just got myself a, a whiskey ginger and kept it on moving. <laughs> oh, man. Tacos is a bold choice. I, I know. Not. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Hilarious. As travel does return, may we all just remember to remain human and not lose your bearings as you get too drunk and then attack people because we're all just trying to get somewhere mm, so truth well yes, psa on that yeah be kind that's right be, be kind, kind be safe yes. and let's get where we gotta go yeah also most ordered item at the airport oh my god water bottles water bottles so like literally the top Five or six items. Five, yeah. all five. Yeah. Top five items were water bottles. Yep. Smart water, Dasani. Yep. Ugh, what Dasani. are you people doing? Oof. Invest in a reusable water bottle. There are yeah. reusable water fill stations all over every single airport in the world at this point. There Literally. is zero reason for you to be drinking out of a plastic water bottle. Yeah. So, but by all together. means, stop and get some peanut. <laughs> M&M's because that's number eight on the list and that brings number me Number eight. That's the a good one. one. It's a good one. I pretty much do get that every time yes. I fly. I feel like some king sort of size, King size bag <laughs> of peanut M&M's. Oh, geez. Should we not be bringing peanuts on the flight? Oh, oh shit. No. They're coated in chocolate, so it's safe. <laughs> it's fine. Is that the case? Okay. Yeah, yeah that chocolate coating it. is thick. Yeah. She protects us. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <sighs> well, cheers to that. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I feel like that one is so little and cute. <laughs>
Missing your buds? Looking for a snack? Take a quick break from your day and tune in while we chew the fat and take a quick dive into the dishes or ingredients you can't stop Googling or already know and love. Every other week, we'll be serving up Small Bites, which are short format content that's easily digestible. Episodes are typically less than 20 minutes and give you the down low on history, how it's made, and ways to enjoy it. Subscribe to Mirepoix Taste Buds so you never miss a bite.